a Podcast One production. This is The Game Plan with Dr Nick Krasner. Last episode, we talked about how to create your big goals. So if you haven't heard that one, go back and have a listen because in this second episode, we follow on from that with how your current belief structures impinge on your goal. Dr Nick, when we talk about how our current belief structures impinge on our goal, I guess essentially we're talking about how our past affects our everyday lives and behaviour. How does it do that? I think it affects it so much that we don't even realise that it is. Um, everything that we do is shaped by our belief structure from from childhood onwards. Everything we think about, our actions, and until you realise that, you can't create something truly new um, from where you really want to create it. One of the most interesting things is when psychology started many years ago, a lot of people have heard of Freud, Sigmund Freud, uh, and he's sort of the father of psychology. Since then, a lot of people have taken it further. But one of the things he started to talk about is the different voices in our head, or maybe a better way of thinking about it is our brain has certain nerve connections. And those nerve connections are nerve connections of like the child that we were when we were three or four or five. Uh, And we call that the inner child. They also talk about influences from outside, such as society and especially the parents. And he would call that the superego. And also who we think we are, the id. Um, And all those will play a part. So although it sounds a little bit complicated, and I've slightly altered exactly what Freud said, I think if you can get an idea that we've got a little child inside of us um, that kicks and screams and needs to be parented, uh, we've also got the uh, information from society and our parents, which may be very helpful, but may actually pull us back from what we want. And a belief structure of who we think we are now even though in reality we are who we want to be, uh, then we can start playing with those three parts of what we would call self. And so what are the steps that we need to go through today? Well, the five points that we're going to cover today, Liv, are number one, discover your inner child. Two, what are the good parts of your inner child? Number three, what are the bad parts of your inner child? Number four, who do you really need to be to reach your big goal? And number five, negotiating that with your inner child. Nobody likes negotiating with a child. Well, it's like we're walking around with uh, sometimes a tantruming three or four year old. Uh, And it's all happening inside you. And uh, it's amazing how some of the biggest uh, CEOs at times of stress can actually make decisions as a five year old child kicking, uh, kicking and screaming and wanting to cry their eyes out. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. No, no. I mean, I've worked quite a lot with with CEOs. I mean, I worked with a CEO who's very high up in the banks. I mean, very high up. And we discovered that every time he had a big decision to make, uh, he would actually start kicking things. And Mm. it turned out that when we looked at it, his behavior was exactly the same as when he was five. So what the brain did is sort of the adult him basically shrunk away. And the only thing left was this little child in charge of a big bank and making decisions. And it wasn't until he saw that and realized that he was just reactivating that part of the brain again, uh, that 
what we wanted to do is get the adult back again. So we asked the adult, please come back in. Uh, it's your job. And we actually said to the inner child, um, actually, you don't need to make this decision. You don't need to decide whether the interest rate should go up or down or whatever <laughs> it was it needed to do. Uh, you could actually go and have an ice cream. I mean, one interesting thing that we can do, and listeners might want to do, listen to sort of the voices in your head mm. and just decide, is that what... What I'm normally like, was that like me when I was five? And then look, oh God, that's my parents' voice. I mean, how often do, you know, especially maybe uh, parents themselves, they may go, that's just what my mum would have said. That's mm. just what my dad would have said. I'm turning into my mum. You know, maybe that's not your voice. That's the voice of your parents. And it's not what, what your parents are now. It's what they were like when you were younger. And again, you may find part of you saying, oh, this is who I think I am. But we don't really know who we are because we change all the time. And, you know, we often think this is who I am, this is what I can achieve. Uh, and that's part of the past has told you who you are and how you can achieve it. Uh, but maybe what we could be looking at, and this is me challenging our listeners, is who do you need to be to get the goal you really want to be? It might take more effort. And it's an interesting question. It might be one to, to think about, um, talk over dinner with and that kind of thing. And uh, a pen and paper is always helpful with answering those those initial five questions, which, of course, we'll go through again at the end. Starting with number one, discover your inner child. How do we go about doing that? Well, the first thing is observation. Observation is really important. Um, if we don't observe our thoughts, our thoughts are in charge of us. There's an old saying, be in charge of your thoughts or your thoughts are in charge of, of you. Uh, or your thoughts are like a stallion, either you ride it or it rides you. So the first thing is to see that and listen. And often if you say, oh, I, I'm rubbish, I'm rubbish. If you believe I'm rubbish, that's who you are. But if you then say to yourself, actually, I'm telling myself I'm rubbish. It's not that you're rubbish. It's just that this thought has come into your head. And as we know, a lot of our thoughts and feelings actually are not really true. They just feel true. So discovering your inner child would be about listening to those thoughts and thought patterns that you had as a three, four, five, six, seven-year-old. And there are different parts. It might be a 13-year-old or whatever. And realizing that you go into those and maybe you need to talk to that part of yourself as you would talk to a child. Mm. We all need to parent our inner child. Are they things that you would have said to yourself as a child or are they things that someone said to you? Well, it's the opinion of the child. So actually, um, for instance, if uh, as a child, people, you know, your teacher said, oh, you're rubbish at maths, you're really rubbish at maths. If mm. you believe that that was true, for, from then on, your belief structure is, I'm rubbish at maths. But actually, you as an adult is, doesn't believe that, it's you as a child. But every time they talk about maths, you go into that childhood mode. Because somebody might have said to a child, oh, you're rubbish at maths. And the child said, well, I'm going to prove him. I might be a professor of mathematics at Sydney University at the moment. It's not what happens to a child that's important. I mean, obviously what happens to a child is important. It's the belief structure that the child, the opinion that the child makes of it that, that forms who your inner child is. Mm. I mean, of course, if lots of negative things happen to a child, they're more likely to have a negative outlook uh, and a negative belief structure. But there are plenty of children that really bad things have happened to and yet their belief structure that they're good enough to overcome this has, has pushed them through. So it might take a little bit of faith to start listening to your conversation and say, well, is that me? Is that my inner child? Is that my parents' voice? Uh, but I think listening to it, we often know, and if there's a big reaction with it, like a tantrum mm. or you want to burst out crying, there's big emotion, probably is your inner child. That voice that does appear... 
do you think people are always aware of it at the time of it appearing or do you think it sometimes it takes a bit of reflection? Um, it takes a lot of reflection. Uh, most of us actually are quite oblivious to where our thoughts come from, what our thoughts are. And that one of the problems is we then believe our thoughts. Mm. And most of your thoughts and feelings, listener, are probably a load of rubbish. But to make you feel better, uh, they're probably exactly as rubbish as my thoughts and feelings. <laughs> so why is the inner child impacting our lives now? Well, again, we're like a computer and being your inner child, that's the programming of the computer. It's telling you what you can achieve, who you are, who you are in society. Um, and of course, it changes through your life. But the inner child still believes the first, you know, the first belief structure of who it thinks you are, mm. which is why there's some girls who um, thought they were very unattractive, ugly as little girls, who are now very pretty girls in their 20s, 30s, but they believe that they're ugly. Um, a very good example of this is when they were training flea circuses. I don't know if any any of our listeners have ever seen a flea circus, but what they did is they have fleas and to music they all jump at different heights. To train the fleas, when they're first born, they put them under metal jars. And some of these metal jars may be like a foot long, one may be a foot and a half long. When the fleas first come in, they jump up and they hit the top of the glass jar. And they do this a few times. And eventually they realize they can only jump to a fraction below the glass jar. Once you remove the glass jar, the flea will never jump higher than that level. It's been programmed to believe that's the ceiling. If they jump any higher, they will hit the glass ceiling. And so, in a sense, our inner child has created the glass ceiling, which has now been removed, but we believe that it's true. You know, another example, there was a fire at a circus and the uh, elephants who were tied by just a little rope to their legs mm. uh, all died and didn't escape. And yet for them to pull the rope off for their power in their legs, they could have done it. But mm. because as children, they weren't able to, to move that rope, they believed that they were stuck and that's why they died. So we've got that glass ceiling, that belief structure that, feels true but isn't true so our potential is a lot greater than than we think oh yeah our potential is always much greater i mean a lot of mental programming is that we're not good enough you know and we're often much better than we think we are in fact we all are the reality is we don't know how good we are if someone says can i do that the answer mm. is we'll do it and you'll find out but until somebody tries something and does something they just don't know how good they're going to be at doing something why is that such a common thought that we think we're not good enough? Because it's not like I didn't have parents growing up telling me that I wasn't good enough. They told me how great I was, but I still have that thought. Yeah. Well, again, I think a lot of it is not just parents. I mean, we talk about, you know, effect of schools and what teachers say to you. And I think part of it is our fear of failure as well. Mm. We have this bizarre belief I think in the western world that if you do something it doesn't work and you fail there's something wrong with you uh, but actually you know I've had a lot of successes in my life which is great but I could count a lot more failures if you want to describe them that way and my successes wouldn't have come unless I'd failed a lot I mean I've written books and things come up but I've written a lot more books and articles and things that have that have faded away into you know into oblivion so mm. This, you can't fail. There's something wrong with you. Uh, it's almost like standing up in class, giving an answer in class that's incorrect and everyone laughing at you. Again, this is the inner child. Whereas the reality is it's better to stand up, give an answer to a question incorrectly because you'll be very quick to learn the right answer mm. the next time. 
As Edison once said, he never failed once. Uh, he learned 10,000 ways how not to make a light bulb. Going on to number two, what are the good parts of your inner child? How does that help us achieve our goal? Well, it's very important to realise this inner child, I mean, the way we've been discussing it, it's like saying your inner child's bad and wrong. Mm. If we only didn't have it, it wouldn't be good. But actually, our inner child's very important. If you think about us as children, we've got creativity, we've got love, we've got energy. There's so much great things that this inner child can bring to the table. So using the inner child properly, if you want to create something, I mean, what's better than having a six or seven-year-old kid with you to do that part of, uh, of creating your goal? Um, part of creating a goal and making it happen is role play. You know, it's pretending maybe that if you're in a car, it's pretending you're in a car even though you're sitting on the sofa. Well, how good at kids are doing that compared to adults? That part of you is, is so important. So all parts of you have that. So seeing that you've got all these talents as a kid, you want to bring that out. What we're going to be doing is parenting our inner child. So we know as parents, it's not about showing our children that they're bad and wrong. It's about increasing the good side of them and rewarding the good side and then dampening down the side that isn't in keeping with what you want your child to be in the future. And how do we actually identify what good parts we have in our inner child? Well, again, it goes back to just imagine that you're five, six or seven uh, or three or 13 and just write down a list of all the things that that child was good at the things that that child enjoyed doing. It might help you with your big goal as well. And just write that. Things that you do now when you're really enjoying yourself, it may be singing or dancing. Are you being an adult or are you being like a child? I mean, if you're dancing and having fun, you know, then then that's a great thing. You don't want to necessarily quieten your inner child. And of course, you're sitting at work and maybe you need to be at the computer. <laughs> and so how does that actually help us to achieve our goal, though? It frees us up? Yeah, it frees us up. Again, what we want is our whole being to be in line with creating a goal. It's like a team, like a football team. If everyone is playing a different system, the team will not play very well and you'll probably lose. So you want your inner child and your super ego and your, your being to be all in the same line, all helping each other to create the goal you want to create and then to put the actions in place. What we'll be doing in a later episode is looking at what kind of actions, once you've put your goal into your mind, do you need to do to make it happen? So you need all of you, all bits of you, to be in line with those actions. You know, you could imagine almost you, your superego and your inner child being you carrying your grandma on one hand and your, your, your little son on your other hand. And the son's kicking and screaming, saying, I don't want this, I don't want that. And and your your grandmum or your, your mum saying, uh, told you you'd be no good as a parent. <laughs> you know, so you can imagine how good you'd be at shopping. So what you really want is a, a harmonious experience of course the inner child to be happy okay if you behave you'll get an ice cream sort of thing and the mum to say oh you're such a good dad and isn't this lovely and let's carry on I'm so proud of you I love how in this series you keep bringing everything back to shopping and ice cream yes yes well that's, that, that's my inner child I think <laughs> and so number three what are the bad parts of your inner child so obviously we've touched on that so I mean does your child tantrum? Does your child believe they're not good enough, you know, to create the goal they want? Um, is your inner child confused? You know, so all of those things. So if what you want to do, your inner child's kicking and screaming, I don't want to do that, that's not right. You need to look at that. 
And actually, the important thing, we'll get to number five with negotiation, is should your inner child be doing it anyway? Should a five-year-old be making decisions for a top bank in England? If your inner child is having a tantrum, are they ever right? Are they ever giving you warning signs like, this is not the right road to be going down? Um, Very good question. Um, And I would say yes. Uh, I think your inner child sometimes goes, oh, for heaven's sake, can't you just get on with it? You know, it's like a parent. It's like the kid looking at the parent. Look, you keep saying that you're going to clean the car. Or you're gonna <laughs> Can you just do it, Dad? I'm so embarrassed. You know, Michelle's coming in the car and her dad's <laughs> car. You know, you can just see it all. Um, there's a fabulous film, which I think if, if you want to understand about inner child, Disney has done a great film um, with Bruce Willis called The Kid. And it basically is about a 40-year-old whose life's not going according to plan. In many ways, they're very, very successful, but the reality is that they're not very nice and they're not married, etc. And suddenly they're visited by themselves of seven years old. And there's a whole play between the two of them. They don't like each other (laughs) and uh, one's trying to teach the other. And you realise that the 40-year-old needs a seven-year-old more than seven-year-old needs a Mm 40-year-old. I I think it's a great picture and one that uh, should be in everyone's library. And right in the middle of the film, the little kid looks at the older version of him and says, listen, Russ, you got to change. Very good line. I mean, it, it, and, and that was a moment that the 40-year-old realised, yes, he's got to change and changed. Kids do sometimes have those pearls of wisdom, don't they? And they're honest. I don't think it's sometimes, actually. I, I think uh, I, my great belief was we spend most of our time as youngsters being taught how to be adults and then our adulthood spending all our time trying to be children again and learning how to be children again. Uh, children instinctively do so many things right and... Um, I think that's a big concern about how we educate and do things like that with with kids. And so number four, who do you need to be to reach your big goal? Yeah, a strange one that, isn't it? Who do you need to be? In other words, you need to step out of yourself. If you look at people who've created really good goals, there's things about them. So if you looked at someone you... Uh, you admired and the way they did it, you might see, well, they, they, they're always on time of work. They do their work properly. They are respectful. They may be charitable, gracious. There's a number of things that they would do uh, which allows them to be who they are. And so if your big goal is to be a, is a sports star, for instance, it may be that, well, we know sports stars have to train a lot and a lot of them get up at four or five in the morning. So if you wanted to be a sports star, who you would need to be to reach that big goal would be somebody who would get up at four or five in the morning, whether they wanted to or not, and do the training, whether they wanted to or not. Mm-hmm. They would take the knocks, they would focus on the right things. They'd also look at their nutrition. They would look at uh, who they're training with. They would try and find maybe a mentor to help them train. So it's very important. Who do you need to be? We think we are who we are um, and that's it. But the reality is we change all the time and we should be changing all the time. Uh, And we're just a clearing, a vessel almost to be who we want to be. The problem is that most of the time we just stick being the same person the whole time. But one of the questions is, are we meant to be the same person as we were when we were 20, when we are 60? Or are we meant to keep changing? So are you saying that everybody needs a role model? Um, I think role models are very, very useful. 
yeah, and mentors. You don't need one, but it does come in handy. It may be someone you actually know who's alive mm. at this point who can put your pointers. Reading books or listening to podcasts from people you admire are great ways of learning about how to do things. You know, so I mean, to go into this, people in the military, you know, one of the the mentors that a lot of the military people would use, I would say, would be a, a chap called San Zhu. And San Zhu was a military general, I think sort of 500 BC in China. Uh, and he wrote a wonderful book called The Art of War. Uh, and so he'd be a fabulous mentor for for people, even though obviously he's not been around for a long time. And what about number five, negotiating with your inner child? We touched on that a bit before. We did, we did. I mean, the again, the inner child, here you have, it's like back in the supermarket. Maybe we've taken you away from the ice cream counter. So here we are with our inner child and he's kicking and screaming and you want him to be good. So maybe you need to negotiate. Look, we need to get up at five in the morning, but maybe you don't need to get up at five in the morning. Maybe the adult side of me needs to do that. Mm. Uh, maybe the inner child you know, if we work really hard for the week, we'll take a weekend off and we'll go off and we'll go travelling around the coast or we'll go swimming or surfing. Uh, so it's actually talking to your inner child as if you talk to your own son or daughter. I mean, a good example, I remember I was, uh, I think I was in Hawaii and I was going for a massage and my whole brain was not in that space. It was like, and I could tell it was my inner child. So I just sort of mentally said to my inner child, well, what do you want to do? And my inner child said, I want to go jet skiing with my friend Liam. <laughs> so I said, oh, well, okay. Well, why don't you go jet skiing and I'll have the massage? Here's some money for it. And I just mentally did that. And mentally, my inner child went off and went jet skiing. And I shouted after him, you know, don't forget to wear your life jacket. And, and then my brain settled <laughs> down and I had a very nice Lumi Lumi, if anyone knows what a Lumi Lumi massage is, very good massage. <laughs> Uh, but that was a negotiation with the child. And it may seem strange and you're going, is that schizophrenia or something like that? Well, not really. Schizophrenia is not knowing, you know, your thoughts are coming, mm. you know, it's like you've got extra voices. This is the way your mind is working. Some people believe we've even got nine personalities within our, our brains. That's so interesting that when you felt like doing something else, instead of actually going to do that other thing, you just visualised it in your head. So, for example, this past weekend, I had planned with my boyfriend to go for a surf and I woke up in the morning and I just didn't feel like it. And I feel like my inner child had a little bit of a tantrum and we went out on the water and everything was wrong. I ended up hurting my neck and couldn't get any waves. And it was actually a beautiful day. It was a perfect surfing day with beautiful conditions. And it just ended up being a disaster and I was thinking when you said that, okay, when you actually feel like doing something else, just go and do that thing. But you're saying you can just visualise it and it will have the same effect. Yeah, absolutely. Remember, all this is an interplay of your nervous, nervous system, which is just setting off similar type feelings and emotions and thoughts that was created when you were a child. So what I'm doing is setting up other thoughts and things to sort of counteract that. What it does is it clears all the thought processes and it gets you back to the state of nothingness, the clearing, being in the zone. Can you speak to someone else's inner child? Yeah, I do that quite a lot. You can often see it in people. I mean, how often do you watch somebody and sometimes they're okay and then they behave like a, a, a little bit of an idiot, shall we say? <laughs> um, and you look at them and go, what an absolute... 
And then if you look at them and go, what age group would I classify that action? Then you'll go, God, yeah, that's like a five-year-old. That's a six-year-old. That's a th-. You know, you can mm. actually categorize and you go, that's purely obviously an inner child. As I said, when somebody who runs a big company does that, you start worrying a lot or a politician or prime minister, but everyone does it. One thing we often do, though, in a child, which is the worst thing, is we sort of lock it up in a cupboard. We ignore it. You get this tantrum and you just say, OK, I'm going to get rid of it. Just lock it in its bedroom. And of course, if you lock a kid in the bedroom, it's going to kick and scream even more. So actually just talking to the inner child, giving it love and acceptance is all it needs most of the time. That's so true because I always try and deny myself those feelings when they when they come up. But you're saying acknowledge them. Acknowledge them, embrace them, parent them. I mean, if you were taking, uh, if you were taking, say, a niece or nephew out, uh, and they were a bit tantrum, would you lock them in a room or would you try and negotiate? Mm. I'd give them ice cream. Give them ice cream. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just to recap on what we've talked about in this episode, we've got number one: discover your inner child. Number two. What are the good parts of your inner child? Number three, what are the bad parts of your inner child? Four, who do you need to be to reach your goal? And five, negotiate with your inner child. Yeah, absolutely. And some other things just to add sort of around those is one is look at the opinions of your inner child. The opinions are, I can't look silly, I can't look stupid. Maybe it's the opinions of your super ego, like like your mum or your dad telling you, oh, well, you'll look silly if you go to a dance or you wear that shirt or you, you know, allow it. Is there any shoulds or buts for your inner child? You know, is your inner child going, I want to do that, but but, but everyone think I'm stupid or I shouldn't do mm. that, I've been told I shouldn't do that. And a lot of these shoulds, you know, are they really shoulds? Are they just, you know, what a little child says? Uh, there's an old saying that says what you think about will come about so in other words if you think everything's going to go wrong and bad and your mind's telling you everything's going to go wrong and bad that's generally what happens which is probably like your surfing trip so it but if you believe everything's going to go well then it tends to go well so if people stub their toe in the morning they often say it's going to be a bad day i've stubbed my toe Uh, And often the day becomes bad because you've told yourself that. Whereas you could do it because I stubbed my toe today. It's going to be a really good day. What's next episode, Nick? What are we talking about? Well, we're going to talk about how to reprogram the brain or your brain to create your big goal. In other words, instead of pushing against all your previous beliefs, what you think your future is going to be, is to put in your subconscious mind um, the future that you want to happen so that your actions can become effortless. The Game Plan with Dr Nick Krasner is recorded at the studios of Podcast One Australia. Produced and edited by Liv Proud. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer is Jamie Show. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app or look us up on iTunes. 